Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text is from Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 26. O daughter of my people, put on sackcloth, roll in ashes, make mourning as for the mourning of an only child, most bitter weeping, for suddenly the destroyer will come upon us. Dear friends of Christ, during the season of Lent, we're going to focus on uh, the six signs of salvation tonight, uh, the sign of the ashes. And in order to understand the message that the ashes give, uh, it's, I want to study Jeremiah, who lived in around 626 years before Christ. His job, well, he had the unfortunate job of having to tell the children of Israel, uh, the, the, the southern kingdom of Judah, he had to tell them that they would be doomed, and there would be destruction because of their unfaithfulness. You see, they had been unfaithful. And uh, in the opening chapters of his book, he delineates their sin. I won't go into detail, but their basic sin, I won't go into all the sins, but their basic sin that, that he focuses on is unfaithfulness. These were an unfaithful people. And I want you to think about what that means to you. What does it mean to be unfaithful? When you hear those words, what images are conjured up in your mind? An unfaithful wife, an unfaithful husband, an unfaithful child, an unfaithful employee, unfaithful children of God. This unfaithfulness was true, not just of the people, it was true of their prophets, it was true of their priests. So God told Jeremiah, has a nation ever changed gods? My people have exchanged their glory, their God, calls himself glory. My people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. My people have committed two sins. Now these are two things that God was really not happy about. My people have committed two sins. One, they have forsaken me. Oh, they still believed in him. They just, they just didn't care. They have forsaken me, the spring of the living water. God says, I'm a spring of living water that flows out truth and life and salvation. And I want to flow into their hearts. And I want to fill their hearts up with love and grace and salvation so that they will be alive and live for me in my kingdom. but they've dug their own cisterns, their own wells that cannot hold water. As the thief is disgraced when he's caught, so is the house of Israel disgraced. They, their kings, their officials, their priests, and their prophets. So Jeremiah addresses their spiritual problem, their spiritual failure, the false gods' idols that they had made. And God said, they say to wood, you're my father. They say to stone, you gave me birth, and they have turned their backs on me. And yet when when they are in trouble, they still cry out to me, come and save us. When they have problems, they need God. But other than that, they don't need God. They don't live for God. But dear Lord, don't let me suffer. Jeremiah encouraged God's people to repent, to put on sackcloth and ashes, to roll around in the ashes. 
For centuries, sackcloth and ashes always meant the same thing. It, it means that our hearts are sad, that our hearts are in sorrow. Not that we rip our clothes. God says, I want you to rip your hearts. And so it's, it's a mental image of putting on sackcloth and ashes. God doesn't really want us to be doing that. He says, I'm more concerned that you rend your heart to me, that your hearts are torn, that you're broken, and realize what your unfaithfulness has done to my kingdom. Indeed, now is a time to mourn. Now is a time for people to change. Because God was angry, He was furious, He was frustrated, and the people would be punished. Judgment would come. Doom would fall upon the land of Judah, Jerusalem would be destroyed, and the temple would be destroyed as well. And it happened, this prophecy all came true, when Babylon attacked Jerusalem and Judah from the north, besieged the city, and attacked and destroyed everything because the people were unfaithful. They didn't care about God. Oh, they believed in Him, they just didn't care. Are things so different in our day? I think, I think that pretty well describes the spiritual condition not just of Christians in America specifically, but Christians around the world. Spiritual apathy. They care little about God and they care even less about learning about His Word. John, James in his epistle talked about the same problem he had in his day. And he said, so get rid of all the immoral behavior and all the wicked things you do. Humbly accept the Word of God that He has placed in you. Accept the word he placed in you. He placed that word there. Receive it. Let the living water fill you up. Let the truth of God and his, and his love and his commandments fill you up. This word can save you, James writes. Do what God's word says. Don't merely listen to it or you will fool yourselves. If someone listens to God's Word but does not do what it says, he's like a person that looks at the, his face in the mirror, studies his features intently, goes away, and immediately forgets what he looks like. So what kind of Christians are we? Do you wake up in the morning remembering who you are? Do you wake up in the morning making the sign of the cross, remembering that you're a baptized child of God, that God has washed all your sins away, and that you represent Him throughout the whole day? You walk in the rules and commands of the Lord, seeking to love your God and to love your neighbor, to make sacrifices, to make society a better place by just doing the things that you need to do on a daily basis, to be a good student, to be a good child and not make it so hard on your teachers and your parents, to be, to be a good employee. Do you go to bed at night remembering who owns you? The people of Israel didn't. They trusted in wood and stone. We're more sophisticated than that. We don't make idols of wood and stone, but we certainly make idols of our heart. Maybe our God is money markets and mutual funds. Israel is guilty of forsaking God. We're no less guilty in our generation. The spring of the living water pours out, and we have, dug, we have dug in our hearts cisterns, cracked cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. These cisterns are wells. These cisterns hold the truth 
But hearts that are broken can't hold the truth of God. God may proclaim His truth. God may share His Word. And it comes into our ears and it flows out of our hearts and our hearts have holes in them and cracks in them. And the truth doesn't settle in us and it has no power over us. And it doesn't change how we think and it does not move us to repentance. And if God's Word leaks out, what's left in you? What's left in your sinful nature? Your desires, your own wants, your own selfish living, reckless abandonment of God's ways. The spring of the living water wants to fill you up, to come and give you that that life-giving flow. But But our hearts are leaking. That doesn't discourage Jesus. He knows we have broken cisterns. He continues to fill us, though. He comes with His grace. And He makes His beginning of His journey to the cross. And so with broken cisterns and all, we make a journey with a Savior whose heart is filled with love for us. And He makes His journey to the cross where there He will be nailed and He will take all of our broken cisterns and hearts upon Himself. And God the Father will pour out His anger and destroy His Son rather than destroying Jerusalem for us. In our text, it's interesting that Jeremiah didn't focus on uh, and all the sins that he could have focused on that Judah was doing, the sins of, of selfishness and pride and lying and dishonesty and lust and, and greed. He could have focused on those. But no, he focuses on a general sin of apathy. People just didn't care. Do you know why spiritual apathy is a worse sin than actually living out in sin? Than actually doing sin? Why is spiritual apathy worse? Because spiritual apathy leads us into sin. Listen, if people don't care what God thinks, they're going to live how they want to live. If people don't care what God says, they're going to do what they want to do, believe what they want to believe, Why? Because they just don't care about God. And that's what it boils down to, spiritual apathy. They just don't care. Spiritual apathy is the advent of sinful living. So on this Ash Wednesday, we are reminded to repent, to tear not our clothes, but to to rend our hearts. And to cry out to God as if we just lost our only child. Dear Lord, save me, a sinner. My heart is broken and I can't change that. I need a Savior to suffer and die for me. To repent. Not only about the things we've done, but to repent about our spiritual apathy. And to make a journey with Him in these 40 days. Sometimes we become so apathetic we provide devotionals for you to do throughout the, uh, throughout the 40 days and we don't even take the devotionals home because we just don't care to get that close. Change. Turn to God. Turn to His Word. Let the living waters flow in you. Let the living waters teach you His ways, teach you His truth, teach you His love. And open up that word in the morning. And open up that word at night. And in your prayers, be diligent with the Lord. In your worship throughout these 40 days, be diligent in coming 
to hear and uh, keeping the third commandment, to hear the word of God, to enjoy its hearing and, and, and its preaching and its teaching and gladly listen to it so the living water can fill you up. Find a Bible study and grow in Christ and grow in faith. So we're encouraged, as Jeremiah encouraged the people of his day, wear sackcloth and roll around in the ashes, my people. Mourn as if you'd lost your only child and cry bitterly because the destroyer will attack us. My friends, the destroyer that will attack us is not Babylon. It's a much terrible, much worse problem. We will be attacked by death. The ashes we wear on our head remind us ashes to ashes and dust to dust. From ashes you came and to dust you will return. We are people of dirt. We are dirt people. And that's what God called Adam when he made him. You are a dirt man. Adam means dirt, earth. And we return to dirt. We return to earth. Death. Death is our destroyer. The imposition of ashes reminds us of that very sober reality. Death is tragic, but you know what? Eternal death is devastating. Eternal death. That realization alone should should move us to put on sackcloth and to roll in ashes and to mourn with bitter wailing as if we'd lost our only child, to plead to God, Lord, have mercy upon me. Lord, fill me with the living water. Lent guides us not only in ashes to ashes and dust to dust of our mortal frame, but it leads us to the ashes of Christ's death. For God did lose His only begotten Son. And His only Son was crucified that we might live. So ashes, or the, the journey to the cross begins on Ash Wednesday with ashes, and it ends with the cross on Good Friday. And there on Good Friday as Jesus died, hell rejoiced. And our Heavenly Father wept and mourned at the loss of his only son. Ashes to ashes and dust to dust, but it would not last. The death of Christ would not endure. Three days later, the tables would be turned. Christ would descend into heaven and proclaim his, would descend into hell and proclaim his victory over sin and the devil and death. And Satan is defeated and death is defeated. Our sinful hearts are defeated, oh, but death still happens, and eternal death still happens, and it hurts. The death of our loved ones serves as a constant reminder of the, of the problem of sin. Death happens, but you know what? For Christians, for people of God, for those who wear the cross of Christ, death no longer destroys Ashes to ashes and dust to dust. But there will be a resurrection. There is a life for the people of God. Paul said the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So as you gather today in this Ash Wednesday and you're about to receive the body and blood of Christ, come and receive this gift of forgiveness for your sins. 
And know that though you are ashes on your head, ashes to ashes and dust to dust, just as Christ has died and, and was put in the grave and rose, from, and now he comes to you in his body and blood, his very body and blood, his living body and blood, for the living church, both those living and those who have passed away, he comes to strengthen you. Let his love strengthen your life. Let, it, let him give you a new life in Christ. And later, when you wash the ashes off of your forehead, remember your baptism. That water that was placed upon your head that washes your sins away, that initially brought you into God's kingdom and where he claimed you as his child. And as, a de- and as the ashes disappear, remember who you were made to be. Remember who you are, clean and cleansed and forgiven, belonging to God, connected to Christ and his life and his journey and his sacrifice, and his resurrection. And though you return to ashes, yet shall you live. Amen. And the peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.